we've been looking at how to thrive in college, right? So, uh, if you're new to RUF this week, we're glad you're here. Um, we welcome you, and I want to just say a word about what we're doing. We're looking at the same text every week this semester, and we're focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. If you look at, if you have this handout, if you look at where it says thriving or dying in college part six, and look down at verse 22 underneath that, you'll see that the fruit of the Spirit, plural, I mean singular, fruit singular of the Spirit is all these things, these nine attributes of this fruit, which is created in God in us, or by God in us. Now, look at um, this text, and we're going to read it, and I'll, I'll pray, and we'll get started. So hear the word of God again from Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray and ask him to, to bless it tonight. Our Father, Heavenly Father, uh, we... Um, who are in the church, confess that we believe this is your word. Uh, this is the, the word you spoke many years ago as a man named Paul wrote to people like us in a church in Galatia in the first century. And these words uh, have uh, spoken to your church for many, many years, and we ask that you would speak through them tonight uh, powerfully uh, and, and convince us that you are good, that we, though we're not good, you relate to us, you, you speak with us, uh, you desire us, and you redeem people like us. And so we pray that you would speak powerfully. Uh, if I only speak, then nothing will happen. But if you speak, Lord, eternity can be changed for us. We will, be, we will walk out tonight different than we came in. So we pray that. We will give you glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, this is a wonderful opportunity because we get to talk about something called goodness. Goodness. How do you define goodness? Goodness. I, I sat around a table today with, with a few of you and asked, what is goodness? And the best definition we could come to was, goodness is the state of being good. Right? It's okay. And I'm like, that's all we can come up with, right? We just kind of think we know what it is, but no one can really define it. Uh, goodness. Goodness. We, you know, so I would, I would think that 
it'd be difficult to see on a college campus sometimes because if you look at verses 19 through 21, that's a lot of what your dorms look like. <laughs> I mean, like that stuff is going on all through there. Uh, we, are, we, we have a lot of badness going on in our lives and around us, in our own hearts. Goodness. Is, is goodness natural to us is the first question. We're going to look at three questions. We're talking about we're going to thrive in college if we grow in goodness. So we've got three things we're going to look at in that regard. First, are we naturally good? Let me start with, um, with just a, a story uh, that, that started 3,500 years ago. Uh, 3,500 years ago, there was a man, he was a man named Moses, and this is an odd story. Moses, who was speaking to God, and God was speaking back to him, started to ask the question of God, I want to see you. I want to see you in your glory. And so if you, if you turn on the back of your um, handout and look at the back, you'll see a, a section with it. The second one down on the back, it says Exo 33, 18 and following. And Exodus 33, 18 through following, it, 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 it lists in there that there, God tells him that you cannot see my face for, for man shall not see me and live. In verse 21, it says, and the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Isn't that strange? Okay, like, the, God's going to pass by and sort of show himself to this man in a rock, and God's going to, so to speak, take his hand and cover this, this opening so he, can, he can't see himself. He's going to pass by, and he's going to remove his hand, and Moses is going to see God's back. And what is that? That, is, that, 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 story, that story's kind of always puzzled me, uh, and I'm, I'm sure it puzzles you too. But notice uh, the first verses of that, which are printed there for you. When Moses says, please show me your glory, and then verse, in verse 19, God replies back, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Now, that's an, that's an, I, I've never noticed that until I was reading it this week and looking at goodness in the Bible to kind of figure out what goodness is because I don't know what it is. I'm looking at what the Bible says about goodness. The first time goodness appears in the Bible is Exodus 33, 19, the first time you see that word. And it's a synonym for God's glory. Moses asked to see your glory. In verse 19, it says, I will make my goodness pass before you. The glory of God is his goodness. It's something we don't have in and of ourselves. What makes God glorious is he's different in some ways. He's different than us. He is, in his nature, exhibiting goodness. And we're called to have the fruit of the Spirit in us, which is a representative thing. Goodness. We're supposed to reflect God out of our hearts and into this world. Goodness. But the fruit of the Spirit should dwell in us, but it doesn't normally. And so we see that the essence of God is goodness, and we're to, we're to abide in that essence and have it. And so that's really, that's really a, fu a fundamental way of looking at your life, okay? God is goodness, and I'm to abide in that, to be goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. 
Are we naturally good then? Of course we're not. Of course we're not naturally good. You can look at, look, man, is, is mankind naturally good? And you don't need to look very far in the Bible to see what the Bible thinks about that. We'll just look on the front of your handout at a few verses here. Um, look at Genesis 9.5. It says, The Lord sought the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his heart was only evil continually. Have you ever, have you ever cheated on a test? Have you ever cheated? <laughs> Everyone's cheated. Every single person here has cheated. Back in the day, I used, we used to put uh, formulas in our calculators, graphing calculators for the math test. We all did that. You did that. Maybe there's another way of doing it now, your phone perhaps. Um, you can't have your phone because you'll cheat. Um, have you ever seen people look off your test or look off their test? We are liars and cheaters. There's not a person who can stand here and say with integrity, they're good in that area. This says the every intention of the thoughts of the hearts of man was only evil continually. Now, the next verse, Jeremiah 17, 9. Why is the heart thinking things evilly continually? Well, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's condemning, isn't it? it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay, so you think maybe, okay, that's just Old Testament. Okay, what does the New Testament have to say about that? Well, the New Testament, look at uh, the next verse here. It comes from Romans, which is in the New Testament, written by the same guy who wrote Galatians. And look, what's it say? It says, for we've, we've already charged that all, and the two categories in his mind and in the author's mind is, is Jews and Greeks, okay, religious and non-religious. Both non-religious and religious people are under sin or under the power of sin. In verse 10 it says, as it's written in the Old Testament, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. For all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Again, in the New Testament, it says this in 1 Corinthians, Paul writing again, the natural person, remember the natural person, not naturally good, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, like the fruit of the Spirit, for they're folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And then next, um, and finally, in, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says that, and you were, speaking to Christians, saying, naturally, you were, past tense, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Meaning there's a change here for you. You once walked in deadness and trespasses and sins. You followed the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so in that, it's, it's saying, guys, that naturally people are not good, but people can be made good. So we're not naturally good, but we can be made good. So what, is, what does goodness look like? It's a great question. What did the glory of God look like when it passed by? Was it nice? When you think of goodness, don't you think of nice, good people are the nice people? You want a bunch of Mormons to be your neighbors. They are the nicest people. You want, you want a bunch of religious people maybe to be your neighbors, okay? You don't want, to, you don't want a bunch of college kids to be your neighbors, Everyone freaks out when college students rent houses next to them. I don't know if you know that. Like, they want established families with kids with 
um, religious convictions and stuff like that. The nice people, because they feel like if they're, if they're nice, then you will be nice to them. I don't know. They, they don't trust college students or teenagers. Oh, man, when teenagers move in, that's the worst. Okay, so you don't want bad guys. You don't want serial killers. You want nice people. Okay. Goodness is not nice, though. Goodness is not nice. Uh, goodness isn't just doing good um, so that people will see you. Okay? Nice and good is not that. What is goodness? Okay, well, so every time you see goodness equated to God, it has something to do with providing for the needy. Okay? For, or, or taking care of people who don't deserve help. And so I like to think of that, that first story we heard about Moses as this, is that the glory of God is like the smoke monster, okay? Now, okay, those of you who've seen Lost might know what I'm talking about, but the smoke monster is this thing on an island in the Pacific, close to Australia somehow, but it moves through time and space. I don't, I, mean, I don't get it, but okay, like, there's an island, <laughs> okay, I've lost 90% of you, but, but essentially... <laughs> What did she say? Yeah, I'll just tell you. How much time do you have? Okay, yeah. We don't have time. Text and answer. Okay, which is a great commercial for text and answer. If you have a question at any time tonight, text Sam Brott, okay? His number is 334. Yeah, it's on your sheet. Yeah. And if you have a lot of email questions about Sam, just email him. His number is at ruf.org. Give him an email about lost. Okay. All right, so just, uh, you know, if you have questions about this, though, I'd be happy to answer it. So you can text the interns. They will anonymously forward it to me, and I'll be happy to uh, answer those after this. Okay, so thank you for that commercial. Okay, so when we're talking about goodness, though, like if you were to see this glory of God in the smoke monster that, that passes before Moses that he can't see because it would kill him, and then God sort of removes the hand to let him see it, what would that look like? Okay, I think it would be like flashes within the smoke. And what would you see? Well, look at these verses, uh, the Bible. Okay, Psalm 68, look at these pictures. Your flock found a dwelling in it, your goodness, O oh God. You provided for the needy. Now, the very essence of salvation in the Old Testament was a thing called the Exodus, where slaves were taken from Egypt by God's grace, by his sovereign mercy, and given freedom, freedom, led to a promised land. So you have a, you have a, a group of, of people in slavery that are very needy, they have nothing of their own, and God provides for them, gives them a home, gives them a place, gives them riches. People are like giving their stuff away to them. As they're leaving town, God provides for them. He provides for the needy. Now look at the next one, uh, Zechariah, that's Zech 9.17. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Grain shall be made from, shall make the young man flourish and new wine the young women. He's giving. How great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. Uh, it's, it's a goodness that causes us to flourish. And that's the very premise of this whole semester is that if you have goodness, you will thrive, you will flourish, okay? Now, ultimately, Moses could not see the face of God here. 
or he would die. But the goodness of God, he couldn't see. He got a flash of. He got just a a picture of there. And he got a picture of it in the Exodus. We got a picture of it when, when God took people into an ark and destroyed the world, but he spared a family. We got a picture of it when God took a child and slayed a giant with a child and gave a nation deliverance. We got a picture of it when, when a nation marched around a city seven times and, 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 and yelled and, and walls found down, fell down and enemies uh, were routed by, by God, God's goodness. God gave victories for, for people who were underdogs and poor throughout all of life. And the greatest picture of that, which Moses sort of got a glimpse of that, we, that we've actually seen, is the cross. That's goodness. The cross that Jesus would take upon himself each of our sins, each of our cheating, each of our lying, each of our immorality, each act of that, and would, would, that would be on him and he would die for that, and that his goodness could be ours. That's the goodness that, that of God right there. And so the last time you see goodness in the Bible, the last time you see goodness at all was, was sort of the, the last time it's written uh, was in Titus 3, 4 through 7. This is the latest uh, uh, document of the Bible that, that uses the word goodness. And it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so the question is, we know that that goodness of God is ultimately seen in his dying and his resurrection for his people. How then do we become one that grows in goodness? Well, look at verse 5 of, of that last section I read. It said, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, here's, what, here's the deal, guys. It's not, you're not going to grow in goodness by only hanging out with the right people. Okay, that is a work. That's a work done by us. Okay? He saves us not because of works done by our righteousness, or done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. You're not going to grow in goodness by having a list of 12 things you will do and a list of 12 things you will not do here at OU. What you're going, what's going to make you grow in goodness is his mercy. And how, do you, how does that work? It's by daily saying, look, you've shown grace to me, and I haven't responded well to that, but you still abide with me. It's praying to God and looking at him, looking at the cross, looking at his glory, looking at his goodness to you, and saying, Lord, all the times I've run away from you, all the times I've run from you, and you have still stayed with me. When, and then when I do approach you, You're not tapping your toes and crossing your arms and sort of a little bit disappointed that I actually made my way back. You're with me. You're excited. You're thrilled for me. 
You have goodness for me that is built not upon my doing right and doing wrong, but it's based upon Jesus and what he did for me. It is absolutely external to me and can never be lost, can never be diminished, can never be increased. It's perfect. His goodness and glory for me is perfect. He glories in me. He glories in you if you're in Christ. It's, his goodness is open to you. Now, you know, some of you may be thinking, you know, like, I can't get anybody to like me. <laughs> I, if people really knew me. Now, some of you think, oh, man, everybody likes me. Yeah, of course. But I can't, I can't convince anybody to really like me. If they really knew who I was, they would run. They would absolutely run for the hills. And so you act like you're somebody I mean, for freshmen, it's a great experience at college because you can kind of start all over, okay? You're like all the, all, well, maybe not with Facebook and Instagram. I mean, all your, all your skeletons do kind of follow you around, okay? And all those, you know, goobers from, from you know, eighth grade will call you the goofy nickname on Facebook and people, your friends are like, what's that? Oh, nothing, okay? Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Okay, like, so, so you know, like, you, 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 you kind of are, are a little bit in a bad situation, uh, because people know your stuff. Your roommates know your stuff. They know. Uh, the university knows. Everyone knows. But God knows. And he loves you. The goodness. You are the needy. But in God's goodness, you've found a dwelling in him. His goodness is his mercy and forgiveness. It's his washing you abundantly with Jesus. It's that you're clean. It's that you couldn't get yourself clean. Now, the great picture of this is in the Gospel of John, where the disciples are there at the, at the Lord's, at the Last Supper, and Jesus says, or Jesus says, look, somebody's going to betray me real soon. And they're thinking, look, he's going to stand up and, and just take that guy out. But what does Jesus do? He, gets, he, get, he stands up from, his, from sitting down at the table, and then he starts to wash everyone's feet in the room, even his betrayer. He bows down and washes feet. Now, so when Peter understands that, okay, like, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. Let me wash your feet because you're the clean one. You're the master. I'm the sinner here. No, he's like saying, Jesus says, like, okay, Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And so then Peter's like, no, no, no. Okay, well, if that's the case, then not just my feet, everything. Wash everything. So then Jesus says to him, look, a person who's had a shower doesn't need a bath. Anybody who's had a shower, you know this. Once you get out of the shower, your feet start to get dirty right, right, right again immediately, especially at our house, okay, because like, I'm dirty. <laughs> I'm the problem. I can't keep myself clean. Yeah, it is true. Um, so it's so true. And I have four kids running around making it dirty. Okay, so it, it's a never-ending cycle of, you know, just dirt and grime and, you know, anything else um, because kids mess it up, right, and we do too. So the thing is, like, if you have your dirty feet, you can never get those things clean. Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to wash the crud within you that you can't get clean. And if I don't do that, you have no part with me. He knows what you're like. There's a, there's a great verse. I'll close with this. There's a great verse in Hebrews 4, uh, verse 14 through 15 and 16. It says uh, that um, we don't have a high priest. Who, can, who, can, who fails to sympathize with us because we have a human being. We have a God who became a human being just like you. He took on flesh like you. He knows what temptation is. He knows all of your temptations, but he's without sin. 
So therefore, the therefore is that we can boldly approach his throne with confidence because we have a Jesus who knows us, who knows what it's like to be an 18 to 22-year-old person, who knows what it's like to struggle and be tempted by lust, by impurity, by sensuality, by idolatry, by sorcery, by enmity, by strife, by jealousy, by fits of anger, by rivalries, ascensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He knows what that is like. He's been there, yet he is without sin. And so he's the very confidence we have because I'm trusting not in my works done righteousness, but I'm trusting in a Jesus who washes me. And it's amazing. And and, and what it it must be for me to grow in goodness is that it's amazing that he would wash somebody like me. It's amazing. It is amazing that he'd wash somebody like me. How do I become one that grows in goodness? It's simply by realizing my own deficit of goodness, isn't it? It's by looking at myself and seeing I'm not worthy of this at all. And God loved me and sent Jesus for me. It's the simple song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, If I could truly believe that, then I'd be a good person, so to speak. I could be good. I could embody goodness because that is how the Spirit works. The Spirit works through that message, through believing that message, that that message truly is for me and internalizing it. So guys, that's how I become one that grows goodness. It's through believing And we come to this every week. It's not by behavior. It's by believing. Goodness is not a fruit of obedience. It's a fruit and a byproduct of believing. It's looking at the cross and finding this man on the cross for you. Because you did that. You are the betrayer. And he's the one full of grace that is greater than your sin. And it is a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Uh, Father, help us to believe these things. These are... This is good news. Uh, It's not a good list of things to do. It's good news. Help us to trust it. Help us to trust that. And when when we find ourselves proud because we're not the people with weed in our room, we're not the people uh, that are are drunk and peeing all over the parking lot. We're not the people. We're not the people who who are angry all the time. We're the good people. We are the ones Lord, take that pride and drive it straight to the pits of hell. We need you to to destroy our pride. Help us to see ourselves as poor and needy, that we might see you as good, that we might not see you as a peer uh, who we can relate to, that we have this goodness in us, but that it's alien to us and created by you, and we need it desperately. Help us to find our need that we might pray and ask you to create this in us. Lord, if we're asking that tonight, if we're looking for it, if we're looking for goodness, if we're looking for belief, if we, would you destroy our doubts and give us faith? Would you lessen our doubts and give us trust in Jesus? And will you be glory? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, we'll do one more song and wrap it up. Thank you.